Hi, this is Daphne Maxwell-Reed, and you're listening to the FSF Popcast, your home for the all-nerdy, no-dirty interviews with people in our sci-fi and pop culture world. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today may best be known to you for her work on a little show called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, playing the role of Aunt Viv for 70-plus episodes, and I'll be honest with you, that's where I know her best from, and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited that she's on the show today, because, you know... I, she's yeah, Aunt that Viv. Was, she's Aunt Viv. I mean, come on. Now, but that's not the only place that you may know her from. You may have seen her on shows like Snoop's, Hill Street Blues, Simon and Simon's, Frank's Place, and trust me, there, there's a whole laundry list more shows out there, television appearances, movie appearances, and things like that. But all those things aside, I am very super excited and proud to welcome... Daphne Maxwell-Reed to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to the show, Daphne. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. We're very excited. Thank you for saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this is one of the, the interviews that Tim's been the most excited about was the, we get to talk to her. And I'm like, are you going to be okay? <laughs> Maybe. That's Maybe lovely. Okay. Well, you know, here, here's the thing. So growing up, I was a big fan of Will Smith's music as the Fresh Prince growing up, um, you know, and then he got a TV show and I was like, oh, man, this was really cool. And I remember seeing him on the Grammys, you know, and performing, you know, I think I could beat Mike Tyson. And then he got this TV show and I was really excited about that. And every week I plopped my rear end down in front of the TV to see the new episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because I, it was just a great show. And it really fit the 90s and the time frame for which it was built. And you know, it was just, for me, it was great. So I'm always excited to be able to talk to somebody who had an impact, you know, their show, the part, they were part of something that had an impact on my childhood. And clearly the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air had an impact on my childhood. And you were a big part of that for 70 plus episodes, as we mentioned in the outset, as Aunt Viv. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because you came in, you know, in a part, part way through the series as, as a, you know, taking over the role and I don't want to get any, we're not going to get any specifics about, you know, the who's and the what's and the how's and how that happened or why it happened or anything like that. I'm more interested in the fact, though, of your preparation to take on a role that was already has had happened or been done by somebody else. You know, what was your mindset moving into a role that had already had been portrayed by somebody else? And it was, you know, the character set was very this way. And, and you know, how did you prepare yourself mentally, I guess, for that. I did no preparation mentally for that purpose. I had a job. <laughs> Fair enough. So I went to work and I could not bring the same gifts that she had to the character. So I had to bring mine and I never tried to emulate. I tried to exist as the wife of James Avery. Mm -hmm. basically right. uncle phil and that's where my mind was portray this woman i was in love with the man anyway because he was such a dream boat to work with and i guess we fell in love uh, during the audition process and the chemistry must have worked because it just felt like i was back at home with another family and uh he became a very, very dear friend of mine. He and his wife and my husband and I used to travel together. Oh, nice. And just 
a, a dream job to have with wonderful people who welcomed me with open arms, told me nothing about the situation. Even if I asked, they said, we're not talking about that. Mm -hmm. so, okay, awesome. Then I won't talk about that. And never came up in while we were working. So it was an ease for me to step into that character because it was a lot like I am in real life. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I've always I've always been curious about that because I, you know, I think sometimes people may play it up in their minds, well, I have to be this to be that character because that's how that character was portrayed before. But your portrayal, as you said, was was a separation from the Totally the, different. Yeah, totally different, but still not out of place or not out of line with anything that was going on in the show. You like you said you did fit seamlessly into the show. And, you know, as I as I told my parents way back in the day, when you came on the show, my, my dad, who would watch it with me every now and then, would say, is that a different Aunt Viv? I'm like, yeah, she just got a makeover. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got a job. There so you go. Was, Absolutely. So going from being on Fresh Prince to a totally different topic, because that's just how we work here sometimes. I am the youngest of four. And a family dinner quickly turns into 10 to 12 people plus on a regular basis. And I found out about your cookbook, ah, which I am super excited about. But I mean, again, being the youngest, I didn't get to help a lot because my older siblings and my parents could do everything faster than if they included the baby in it. But yeah. now I have a three-year-old who wants to be included in all of the cooking and wants to be included in the baking. And I actually, I found parts of your cookbook with the explanations of basic cooking to be really, really cool. I loved the explanation of those terms. And I Correct. actually kind of wish I had gotten it when I first got married. Like, it would have been very helpful as a newly married woman. So I wanted to know what inspired you to put this together. And what is the meaning behind Grace Plus Soul and Mother Wit as the title? All righty, I'll start with the title. Grace, Soul, and Mother Wit is the grace represents what you say at the table before you eat. And it's also the way to live life with grace. Mm -hmm. Soul is my tip of the hat to my community and the culture that I grew up with. And mother wit is something that I was innately born with. Some people are, some people aren't, but it is kind of common sense. And I want to impart some of the common sense ideas uh, to whoever is reading the cookbook as well. So that's the title. Now, I have been collecting recipes. I've been cooking since way back, since I was a child as well. Uh, we had a smaller family, so <laughs> I was the only girl there. So I did help my mom. And um, she loved to cook. And what she loved about cooking was serving the meal as an expression of her love. And I thought that was a great concept for just the act of cooking. Mm -hmm. And I expanded that, expanded that concept in my mind, sitting down with a group of people, family, friends, two of you, whoever, and sitting down and sharing a meal that you prepared with love is an act of communion. And not religious communion, right. just communion with getting to share with the other people that you're sitting with. Okay. And to 
express yourself over a meal that they know was cooked with love. So I wanted to make sure that I continue my life doing that. And in doing that, I started collecting recipes from all sorts of friends that I had been working with. We would go to dinner with them and they'd make something. Okay, I got to have this recipe. And I was collecting all of these recipes. And every once in a while, we would make a little book of recipes to send to our friends as Christmas gifts. Eventually, my friends said, when are you going to get that cookbook off your computer? (laughs) And I said, well, I have to figure out why I want to get it off my computer because there are cookbooks everywhere by real cooks (laughs) and I'm not a real cook. I'm not a chef. I'm not trained. I just like doing it. So what I figured out was I make it a mini memoir and take people through the journey of my life from childhood all the way through the work that I had been doing. And that's the format of the cookbook is to share my life with you and tell you stories about each of the recipes and where I got them from. I love that. And I, you may not be a, a chef, you may not be a real cook, but you're a mom. Like there's there's nothing better than mom's home-cooked food. Like That's right. Oh. And there's so many people who now are eating out because it's quick and easy and they're mm-hmm. working all day and I understand that. But I hope that they take at least a day or two a week to commune with their environment, with their family with their community that they sit around the table with. I love love that thought, especially because right now, so my oldest son is off and moved out of the house. He's married now. And my middle son is uh, going to college and he's working. So he's gone from the house quite, quite often. And so the times where we do get to have the entire family home and, you know, when, when my son comes back from across state with his wife and my son, my, my middle child son is, is home from, from school and, and my daughter's there, and we're all able to sit at the table together as a family. And those are really special times. And, you know, to be able to share that food together. And, and you know, and I, I think that that's something that's very missing from this time and age is these, the sense of family yeah. and the sense of community. Yeah. And it, it helps you grow empathy by exchanging ideas with other people. It's something that we are missing running through life. And it's been my charge for the past 20 years to get you to focus on the details of your life that make the journey rich, not Mm -hmm. just getting from A to B, but to notice all of the little things that enrich your life and to appreciate them. At my photography, I do the same thing as I do with my cooking. Definitely. And, you know, there is there is such a difference between eating fast food or eating out because it's what's there and what's convenient. And when you can taste the love in a home cooked meal, like I, I, my daughter's three and a half, she would be happy with a McDonald's happy meal every day. You wouldn't be happy with her health when she got, no, (laughs) no, I would not. But there is something about when that girl looks at me and she goes, mom, this is really good. Thank you for making this. I'm like, Hey, I don't care if it's a box of macaroni and cheese that I just made for you that you just thanked me for, or if it's home-cooked mashed potatoes, you're eating it and you're thanking me. I'm good. I'm good. good. That's a sign of love. Yes. Those are things we remember. I remember Mm -hmm. that from my mother. Mm -hmm. I'm 
just the joy that she got from serving us a meal that she spent half the day preparing. Right. right. And yeah. I mean, like growing up, my dad, my dad cooked more than my mom did. And after my dad died, my brother was searching and searching for dad's beef stroganoff recipe. Dad's ah. beef stroganoff. Nothing tasted as good as dad's beef stroganoff. And he asked my mom, he's like, what did he do? I've tried every recipe I found online. And my mom went to her cabinet, pulled out a box of hamburger helper and said, this, this <laughs> is what your dad did. Cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> She's like, your dad used hamburger helper. He's like, it didn't taste right. She's like, it's because dad didn't make it. Ah, yeah. It was just so funny for that realization in my brother's head of the, wait, dad's beef stroganoff was hamburger helper? Really? It's like, yes, yes, it was. (laughs) Well, you remember those kinds of things and you create those kinds of things with your daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just little things will strike her and she'll remember them for the rest of her life. Oh yeah. She is the best little helper at Mashman Potatoes right now. Like excellent. That is her that is her go-to job in the kitchen right now. Are we having mashed potatoes tonight? I'm like, not tonight. We had mashed potatoes last night. Well why can't we have them tonight? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. (laughs) Mash the sweet potatoes for the next night. Yes. Ooh, I do love mashed sweet potatoes. And put a little mm. bit of butter and agave syrup in them mm. and a little cinnamon, and she will love them, and they'll be really good for her. That sounds Okay, okay that I might actually try. Because <laughs> I don't like that sweet potatoes, sounds... but I, I might actually try that. Oh. And does your daughter like uh, french fries? Mm-hmm. Um, take a zucchini, cut it up uh, into little sticks, uh, roll it in some egg wash, dip it in some um, fine breadcrumbs and fry them or saute them, she'll Mm -hmm. think they're French fries and she'll be eating vegetables. You know, you're challenging a lot of my preconceived notions about food right now. I just wanted you to know this. Two of the things I hate hate most in in my life are are zucchini and and, uh, sweet potatoes. You'll love love them. (sighs) I'm doing the, I can get my husband to eat zucchini now. Hmm. Yeah, make French fries out of them. Like I've bought, um, like powdered vegetable powder that you can add into things to hide vegetables, and that's decent. But I like the idea. It's a waste of your money. Don't do that. Mm-mm. Fried There's zucchini. No that sounds delicious. Stuff. There's no nutrition in it, and <laughs> you ain't fooling nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, over here rethinking my whole life right now. This is just crazy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Didn't think that was going to happen, did you, Tim? No, no, I did not expect this, you know, be the portion of the show where I go, really? That, that's that's a thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I Honestly, I had dug my heels in and said I didn't like radishes. I don't like radishes. I like radishes. I tried them. Like, I did a, I did a sheet pan with balsamic vinegar and those Brus- yeah. Brussels sprouts and radishes, and I yeah. don't remember what else I threw in there. Oh, cranberries. Ooh. Interesting. Ooh. I didn't think Brussels about cranberries. cranberries and balsamic is great. Yum. Um, great. And I just made some the other night with cut up apple in it and Ooh. roasted them with the um it was it was wonderful. The sweet <laughs> and savory all at the same time. 
Oh man, I'm hungry now. That sounds good. <laughs> All right, we're getting too close to dinner for this conversation. All right. right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Daphne, you've had a, a very distinguished career over the years. Uh, it spans several decades, and it, it's still going strong. You got stuff that's has been filmed recently. It's coming out soon. Uh, some stuff that did come out, in, uh, you know, not too long ago. But another thing that's lasted for many years has been your marriage to Tim Reed. Now, in this age of, of dump and replace in Hollywood, it always seems that like two actors in the public eye have a strong, have a hard time rather keeping a strong relationship going. When others seem to burn and fade away, you guys seem to be going strong. So what secrets do you have or what advice do you have for keeping a relationship going? I think the basic element of a good relationship is respect for each other and knowledge that you're both going to grow and to support the growth of the other person and also learn how to fight fair you fight with respect you get your point across you don't have to win every time but you serve respect and you just fight the good fight it's not normal for two strange people to be together <laughs> for their lives. But it's something that you have to work at. You have to want to be with this person. So basically, don't marry anybody you don't like because you're going to fall out of that passion love stuff. It's going to wax and wane. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. That's not what it's based on. It's based on liking each other's basic qualities and the love you have for the joy this person brings you. Don't look for somebody to make you happy. Only you can make yourself happy. Bingo. So don't try to change anybody's personality. They're born and raised that way. That's the way they will be. And good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> the good luck is the, is the struggle there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think a lot of times I think people forget that it there's effort required. This is... Mm -hmm. This is not just, hey, we're happy, we're going to move along. I mean, my wife and I have been married now for 24 years, been together 26. And, you know, I can honestly say that I, I think she's loved me for the entire time we've been together. I don't think she's always liked me. Uh, Correct. But, you know, but she's always loved me. Uh, yes. And I, you know, and <laughs> I know I'm a very fortunate man uh, that she hasn't killed me in my sleep. But, but you know, that's a whole other topic. It's always way out day. of your league. <laughs> oh, I'm way over there. my skis on this always one. Always another day. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I do live in that fear. Uh, but <laughs> but I think a lot of the things you just said there are very, you know, very good. Because I, I think a lot of times, and it's not just in Hollywood where it's the, 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 the dump and replace. I, I think we live in a throwaway society. That's not just... That's not just the, the the electronics that we own or, you know, the cars that we buy or whatever else. I think people view even relationships as instead of working on it and trying to fix the, you know, get back to the good thing that they had, they're willing to walk away and, and hopefully find that in somebody new. And you don't always have to get back to the good thing you had. You both can grow and do something that is even better than what you had. Agreed. So don't just throw it away just because uncomfortable work at it yeah absolutely yeah i think if if we had my wife and i had uh thought that we would just try to get back to what we had you know i would not be saying i've been married for for 24 years and i for 40 yeah exactly it's, and, there's always effort attached 
you have to, I mean, like you said, you grow, you change and you grow and change together. And that's, that's just part of it. I'm not the same person that I was when my husband and I got married. I was 22. There's, I am not the same person. I was 19 when I met my husband, like, and now 29 year old me is a totally different person. The last 10 years has changed me dramatically. I mean, the last three and a half years of being a mom, I am a totally different person. We're still best friends. That's we still go back to that. Even on the days where I don't like him and he knows that I don't like him. He's still my best friend. And I'm still going to complain to my best friend about how big of a jerk my husband is. (laughs) (laughs) Make your best friend. (laughs) There you go. You know, so the original Fresh Prince did a lot for me as a girl who glows under fluorescent lights. Um, it was a it was a very tiny glimpse into what life is like for people who don't look like me. There were a lot of things that were touched on in that show that I had no idea would happen in real life. That's not that was not at all what was happening around me in my little white bread town. I mean, it was it was that little glimpse. I got to see from somebody else's perspective a little bit, which was, it was really cool. With the reimagining of Bel Air on Peacock, which you have a guest appearance on, which I think is very cool. Do you think that that sort of education is gonna be expanded on or so that we can have that conversation about life and how things can continue to change, hopefully for the better? Well, I'm gonna tell you that I have been working in that environment of cultural diversity my entire career. And we have fought networks to make sure that our community is represented appropriately and widely. Mm -hmm. We have developed shows. My husband has developed and produced and directed shows that show the Black community that the dominant culture's uh, green lighting system doesn't want to show you. Mm -hmm. But we were able to get those projects through so that you could see the wide variety of cultures there are out there. Now with all of the platforms that exist for distribution of creative projects, you see far more. You can get a glimpse into any culture just by opening up your computer or turning on your television. So there's no reason to not know. It is available. So I hope that you seek more information about other people. You travel more to see other cultures, to see that human beings are basic items. Their culture has to do with their surroundings, their religion, their society. But basically, we're all human beings. And until we start acting like that and acting upon that, there's going to be strife. Mm -hmm. And there are all these people who put on blinders and don't want to see outside their, say, white bread neighborhood. Bless them. But I think that's a very limited kind of life. It is. And I suggest that they widen their scope a bit. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was not by choice that that's the environment I grew up in. It was just... That the was way- where I lived in rural Michigan. It was very, yep. very pale. 
I understand. And that's why I didn't live there. But <laughs> no, I actually I had a friend who um, was born and raised in Chicago and for work got moved to itty bitty little white bread, Michigan. And it was such a culture shock for him to be yeah. the only black man in the city limits. And I'm like, it's OK. You can do this. They'll survive. You'll survive. It's just, and it was, it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It was difficult, but it was, it was such a growing experience for all of us, for Mm -hmm. him, for us. And he's become one of my best friends. He's actually, he was um, the friend that married me and my husband. He did, he did our, he officiated our wedding. And it's like, this is, he's great. He's, my daughter refers to him as her grandpa. Like, cool. It's great. Even though now he lives in Houston and I haven't seen him in person in six years. But There's a visit for you. There is. As soon as I can travel to Houston, I'm going. I grew go. up being the only black in a lot of situations, mostly in my school. In every class that I was in, I was the only black person. When I went to Northwestern University, there was a population of 5,000 people, but there were 36 black students there. Mm. That a challenge for me because I grew up in New York among an international world community. Mm-hmm. To see a narrow focus, I got called the N-word the first day I was at school by a girl who said she wasn't going to room with one, and I asked her where they were. <laughs> <laughs> Poor girl needs an education, so right. I'll it. give her an education. But It was a challenge, but nothing that had ever thwarted me because I was very secure in who I was and knew that I could do anything I wanted to do. And until we give our children the confidence to exist that way, there's always going to be shaming and bullying, and I just don't accept it. No. No, that's the unfortunate side of things. Yeah. Hmm. It really is. Oh, how deep we got. I know. We did. It's we such, did. it's, I hate that it's such a taboo conversation, too. It is like, not. It feels so wrong, but I it know that not. it's not. <laughs> it it's is not. not taboo. It needs to be spoken about. It does. It needs it to does. be expressed and it needs to be dissipated. Yeah. Like many other things in life, these are one of the stigmas that needs to be shattered and, and, People need to be able to have the conversations because when we have the conversations, that's when we normalize things. That's when we're able to come to a level understanding and, you know, the, 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 everybody's on the same playing field. And that's where we get to equality and everybody has, you know, the same equal footing. So, yeah, it definitely needs to, the conversations need to continue for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Get so, the, the blonde haired, blue eyed girl comfortable with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, reference, I have to tell you one more story about that. Yeah, when yeah. we had table reads on Monday, we would go through the script. Most of the writers, when I first got there, were white uh, on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, there were a couple of black writers in the room, but they would write a script and they would write, you know, we would read through the script and they say, "Are do you have any notes? And we would say, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, if Ashley spoke to her father like that, she wouldn't see. So our culture, we don't play that. Maybe it's your house you play that. We don't play that. And they say, okay, we'll restructure that. We were allowed to bring 
our cultural nuances to the show, which was freedom that is rarely shared mm-hmm. on television. Well, that's awesome. You know, one of the one of the other things I appreciated about you now, one of the things we try to do very, very much so as as we bring guests onto the show, we try to make sure we do our due diligence when it comes to research and finding out more about their their backgrounds. Because if if nothing else, Kathleen and I are self-proclaimed nerds and we like nothing more than a good origin story. So we try to make sure that we understand uh, the origin of the person that we're talking to. And so. I thought it was really cool as I was going through all these different articles about you and, 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 you know, uh, from your own website to Wikipedia to a couple of different things to find out a, that you're an avid photographer and you have several, what I would call travel themed books, uh, about doors and doorways around the world and, and, and different things along those lines. Um, and so that was really cool. My wife's been a photographer for years. And so there was a kind of a, a natural, uh, curious tie in for me there, but, one of the things I found most impressive about you uh, was the ways that you have been a, a trailblazer in a lot of different ways in your career and in your life. And I mean that by the fact that you were the first woman of color to be homecoming queen at, at Northwestern University. Um, from my understanding, you were one of the first women of color to be on the cover of Glamour magazine. And uh, you have spent, from what, I, from what I gather, a considerable amount of time as a spokesperson for Virginia State University which is a HBCU. And for those who don't understand, HBCU means historically uh, black um, college or university. What has it meant for you throughout your career to be able to look back and say that, that you are able to be a mentor and provide instruction uh, to other uh, students of color as they are reaching for their goals? It's been a pleasure because I have been gifted with the gifts that I have. Um, if anybody would say, well, how did you strive to be on the cover of the magazine? I said, I did not strive to be on the cover of a magazine. It, it happened, the opportunity arose, and I was there. A lot of the firsts that happened to me happened because I was the person who was there when it was time for that to happen. It had nothing to do with me personally. I've always had a sunny personality, and I've always had a great smile, so... I sold it. There you go. I sold that smile. They want to pay for it. I'll sell it. (laughs) I had a modeling career because of my smile. But in all of that, it really has been rewarding to see different generations of people who have commented on what I meant to them at the beginning and through their lives and what things that I've done that impacted their lives very positively. I like to hear that my purpose has been fulfilled on this earth because I'm just following the gifts that were given to me. I'm manifesting through the different arts that I use, through any channel that I have to express them. I feel obligated to express them. And I have been blessed immensely. And I hope that any little touch that I'm able to move someone in a direction that helps them bloom in their life is something I really, really would love to see. I think that's beautiful. You do have a beautiful smile. You really, really do. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a good 
<laughs> and hey, if they're willing to pay you for it, take the money and run, right? You know, there you go. That might need to be my new life motto. They're willing to pay for it. <laughs> no, like it. that might get you in some well, trouble. Well, that could get you in yeah. trouble. <laughs> there, there's an asterisk on that one, I think. So. Not much cost too much. Think about that. That's true. <laughs> Daphne, also in my research, I found out that you've been making face masks for the last couple of years. My mother and my mother-in-law have both been doing the same thing with regular curbside pickup runs to Joanne's arts and crafts and fabric stores. And, you know, I, I love it. I've never gotten into sewing myself. I actually, I taught myself how to crochet and made a ridiculously large blanket. Um, but then that was kind of the, okay, I did it. I'm done but <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Well, it was 13 skeins of yarn later and the blanket is five foot by eight foot and weighs about 10 pounds. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I need to be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was good practice. Now it was. The- it was, it fits wonderfully on my queen size bed. Um, but Perfect. it is, it is Elmo red and looks like I skinned them up it to make it, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It is my favorite blanket. <laughs> I, that's the first time I've heard you describe it that way. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is gigantic. In the background there, you see that red mm-hmm. coat. Those are part of a collection of coats that I sell because I've been sewing since I was nine years old. So making a face mask was a way to spend some time when you can't go anywhere. Right. Sure. And I wanted to make masks that had HEPA filters in them so that people would be safe and not just a two-ply face covering. Right. I'm concerned about the spread of of that horrible pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I did what anybody who had a stash of fabric pieces did, was find the right pattern and Mm -hmm. start sewing. And that's that's what I did. I also managed to do um, collections of masks for different groups that I'm part of. A board would want to raise some money and I would make a design uh, that was, say, a logo for them and create the masks from the fabric. Mm-hmm. And I did that on a couple of occasions, once for the um, Virginia Ballet, and those were just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Use their, um, what they use for their stationery, mm-hmm. had a beautiful blue and white design on it. And I said, I'm going to make that into a fabric, and then I'll make masks. And the people who donate would get one of these masks. So I did that and had a successful round of donations because of that so I feel warm and fuzzy about that yeah but it's also my way to give what I can give from the gifts that I have it doesn't always have to be money that you give someone if you give somebody something of yourself it's as much value as giving them money for it yeah I know that my mom my mom was making face masks with the pocket for the filters um she made she made a bunch of them for a local plumbing company that yeah. she embroidered the plumbing logo on the side of the mask as well. I like your mom. <laughs> you would like my mom. She's pretty great. She's pretty great. She, her mom taught her to sew. She quilts, she knits. She is a little Susie homemaker. She tried to teach me. It didn't work. Um. <laughs> she has now 
granddaughter, so... She does. Okay. She does, and that granddaughter of hers wants to be included in sewing so badly. So badly. I trained my uh, goddaughter. Mm-hmm. I bought her her first sewing machine when she was about four years old because she wanted to make doll clothes. Oh, yeah. And I taught her how to use that machine. She is now a designer... <laughs> And has got her own company making wedding. That is so fantastic. My mom, my mom made my so my my wedding dress, my sister's wedding dress, my sister-in-law's wedding dress. Yep. Her own wedding dress. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I just and I mean, I've got basics. I know how to fix a zipper. I know how to sew a button back on. But one day you're gonna make a little dress for your daughter. And you're gonna feel so good about it, you'll make another one. Oh. I hope so. I hope so. Good. I'm going to try to. You will. You don't have to just try. Just do it. <laughs> I like your your motivation. I can do this. I will find a dress pattern. I will make my daughter a dress. Easy. Easy peasy. Go. Summer's coming up. You can do one of the sleeveless ones. You don't have to learn how to set in a sleeve. Don't worry about hey. it. You can there do you it. Good plan. <laughs> there you go. All right. Are you going to learn to sew too, Tim? What's that? You going to learn to sew too? Oh, that's not going to happen. No, <laughs> no. Uh, for the the sanity of everyone around me, and uh, no. You have other gifts. You just share your gifts. I'm a talker. That's my gift. That's what I do. So, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, some people think it's a curse, but we'll go from there. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Daphne, we have one more question for you. We like to call it our silly question. Okay. This is what we end our show on. Okay. Um, now, you can answer this as serious or as silly as you would like to. So here it is. Your silly question is, if you could be a fly on the wall, who would you want to listen to? Oh, dear. That's too hard for me. I'm nosy as heck, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd want to listen to Amanda Gorman. I want to hear her thought process and how she arranges those words on a page to become such beautiful poems. Just, she's just an amazing expressor Mm -hmm. of very beautiful ideas. And I would love to see her process. Excellent, okay. I like that answer. Wonderful answer. Oh man. I'm like, I would just like go to the mall and like, I would be a fly in the mall listening to all of the funny conversations that happen places. I fly too much. I hear all that crap all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that you can admit that you're nosy. Like, I think that that's... Oh, I'm, that's a, ooh, I'm nosy. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to be nosy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, I'm nosy. I'm totally. <laughs> you know, it's true for you too, Tim. I'm okay. I'm a little nosy, but that's not the point. We're not talking about me. Stop calling me out. And Daphne, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Guys, Where... fun. Thank you. Thank you. Where can thank people you. go to find out more about your work and what you've got coming? If they learn how to spell my name, they can go to DaphneMaxwellReed.com. Don't put extra letters in Daphne. It's simple. It's only six letters. Leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> DaphneMaxwellReed.com. They can learn all about me. They can see some of the work I've done. They can hear some other conversations that I've had with wonderful interviewers like you. And um, 
please support a starving artist. I've got lots of things that I create that are for sale there, books that I've published. I'm, I'm a creative geek and I keep learning new things and creating new pathways to express my art. Awesome. We will definitely link your website for those who can't figure out how to spell it. We will just have it linked straight for them so that even they can find it. Whoa, I've even got a QR code. Now that's how good I am. Oh, look at you go. QR code. There you are. That's fancy. All right, guys, we want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Daphne Maxwell Reed. The proper spelling is listed down below. Don't worry about that. And I want to make sure. Uh, that you can go <laughs> click that QR code that's being showed on the screen right there to take you to Daphne's website. Uh, and subscribing helps make sure that we get more amazing conversations like the one we've had today for you to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps more than you could ever really know. And please go to Daphne's website and, and buy something. Help support the artist. And remember, kids, pop culture, it's all around us. It influences every single part of our lives. So if you're a pop culture addict like us, come back next week. We'll have your fix waiting for you right here on Pop Culture Addicts. Thanks again, Daphne. Thank you, guys. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF Popcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSFPopcast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.